0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by StoneTurn. A word about StoneTurn. Who do you turn to when you need assistance navigating the emerging risks around the pandemic or help enhancing your compliance program? Who do you turn to for on-demand compliance resources and expertise? Turn to us, StoneTurn. Since 2004, council corporations and government agencies have turned to the global advisory firm Stone Turn when facing their greatest challenges. Make Stone Turn the place you turn for advice on regulatory, risk, and compliance issues, investigations, and business disputes. In this five-part podcast series to celebrate Corporate Compliance and Ethics Week, we will consider each of the six elements required for an effective compliance program as laid out in stone terms six elements of an effective compliance program these six elements are risk assessment governance and structure policies procedures and controls training education oversight and reporting and response and enhancements. over this five-part podcast series i will be joined by stephen martin valerie charles partners at Stone Turn and Toby Ralston, and Jamin Tyler, managing directors at Turn. In this episode one, I visit with Stephen Martin on risk assessments, understanding and managing key compliance risks. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox back for another episode, and today I have with me Stephen Martin, partner at Stone Turn, and we're going to talk about risk assessments. First of all, Stephen, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Oh, great to be on, Tom. Always love to be on your podcast,
0: Stephen. I don't know if the market's catching up to you. To you, the Department of Justice is catching up to you because you've long advocated that a compliance program is really an ongoing, living, breathing ecosystem. And so, I was wanted to start with asking you why have you continually believed, probably since I've known you, that uh, a compliance program is a dynamic. Uh, process requiring an ongoing multidisciplinary approach that is continually utilized?
1: Well, you know, look, I think as everything, whether it's the Department of Justice or, you know, corporate compliance programs, everybody's been continuing to evolve. Certainly the Justice Department and other regulators, both in the U.S. and worldwide, have, you know, spent more time understanding, you know, what a compliance program looks like and how it is effective. And really, how do you evaluate the risk? And so they've become much more educated on it. And the expectations are now much higher from the government. You know, if there's a regulatory inquiry or investigation or, you know, some kind of resolution, they're going to be looking at your compliance program in depth now, um, where before it used to be you could have sort of a paper program. You know, now you've really got to show what you've been doing. And risk assessment is the key to your entire compliance infrastructure program and understanding the risk, both that your enterprise faces Um, whether it's, you know, in the marketplace, in the industry, you know, government regulatory activity or internal risk. And to me, you know, as you and I have talked about over the years, it's always been about understanding that in some kind of dynamic fashion. You know, often when I was going into companies and, and helping them work on risk assessments, you'd see two things. One, either they weren't really looking at their risk on an ongoing basis. And now that's certainly a requirement coming out of the DOJ guidance. Um, or they weren't really understanding what risk we're talking about, right? Because, you know, you would be looking at companies often look at um, financial operational risk, but not necessarily legal or compliance. And I know we're going to talk in a few minutes about, you know, how do you how do you think about those, but then digging into those risks, right? And looking at, you know, not just bribery and corruption, but looking at things that are happening in the industry, things that are going to happen with third parties, things that are internal to your business and doing that both on an ongoing basis and then across the enterprise in much more of a multidisciplinary approach.
0: Let me pick up on uh, one of your points, Stephen, which is that uh, the uh, compliance slash reputational risk, and I would like to uh, maybe contrast that with two examples that I think are pretty different. One is social justice and the Black Lives Movement, uh, diversity and inclusion, those sorts of topics. But contrast that with the almost tactical level of an employee working from home. Uh, How do you keep an employee engaged? How do you keep them from taking a side gig, creating a conflict of interest? How do you keep them from manipulating internal controls or other financial reporting systems when they're not at the office and you may not have as strong an IT controls? Uh, How can you really look at both of those uh, risks in the guise of a risk assessment?
1: Yeah, so so that's a big question. Uh, and, you know, it's really critical in terms of how we look at it. So I'm going to break it into a couple of components, right? One would be this COVID environment. I mean, all of us know with COVID-19 that we're facing an unprecedented risk. And this was no not on anybody's risk assessment, right? Nobody was talking about worldwide pandemic shutdown offices. Um, so it's an unexpected risk and one that compliance officers and all of these companies have to adjust to. And how do you do that? I mean, now you've got to have more connectivity. You've got to be more visible to the audience because everybody's working remotely. So they're not, you're not seeing them in the office. They have to think about, you know, especially if you have international operations, how you can be directly in more contact with business leaders there to be doing these things. Because as, as you mentioned, uh, you have employees now who are not tethered to the office. You don't see them on a daily basis. So, a, are they working? B, what are they working on? C, you know, are they doing anything that might be problematic to our company? And really spending time understanding that risk uh universe that is around COVID-19. And that's one that, that has been an incredible challenge. We look at it from, you know, how do you do a risk assessment and how do you really understand, you know, the, the these new risks? How do you do investigations? So whistleblower hotline type of issues that come up, you know, can you do investigations remotely and how do you do those? And that, that's a topic for another day. Um, but really thinking about having more transparency and visibility. And the only way that you can do that now is with enhanced or ongoing monitoring and use of data analytics and information. So I spend a lot of time now with my clients talking about um, data analytics and ongoing monitoring and how you can set up those kinds of systems, not to play, you know, cop, but to have more understanding of how are things working when everybody's not in the office. So that's going to be the big focus, you know, in 2021, and beyond is really around aggregating data analytics and using ongoing monitoring tools to find out if there are you know, control gaps or people taking advantage of systems or more fraud or conflicts of interest that you might otherwise have caught in a different system. Now, the second part of your question is around Really, social justice issues, obviously, the Black Lives uh, Matters movement and a number of other social issues that are, you know, first and foremost, uh, critical issues for our country and for our world to be dealing with. Um, And, you know, to me, compliance officers absolutely have the responsibility to be protecting the reputational risk and impact for the business. Um, There are four types of risk: financial, operational, legal and compliance and reputation you know, reputational risk now has be, is becoming a priority for companies. Some companies were always, that was part of their uh, DNA. It's something they'd always focused on, but many companies hadn't focused on it as much as they do, certainly financial and operational risk. And then to the extent that you have legal enforcement risk, but now reputational risk has become clear is, is just as critical, if not more critical than those other risks in terms of the financial impact, the impact on your business and your customers and what's going to happen to your organization. And so doing things that, help you understand it from a risk assessment standpoint, but also being proactive. You know, how do we engage with, you know, the new generations of employees that are coming in on social justice and on, um, you know, diversity and inclusion types of issues? And how do we be a leader in this to show that we're a great place to work? Because if you're a great place to work and you focus on these issues and you do things from a proactive standpoint around compliance, People want to come work at your organization and you're going to simply then outperform. So to me, you know, compliance officers make a mistake if they're not focusing on these type of what I'll call, um, you know, non-core compliance risk issues historically in our industry. It's not like bribery and corruption or competition, but these really key reputational risk as well that can have dramatic impacts on your company.
0: Steven, in the 2020 update, which was released in June, the Department of Justice said that compliance must break down silos and functional impediments to having an effective compliance program? Why do you see this as so critical to some of the concepts you've been talking about around risk assessments?
1: Well, you know, look, this is a very interesting question because what happens in a lot of organizations is you have business units or even, you know, kind of the headquarter units that are separated out. So internal audit and finance and accounting can be separate, even though they may report up the same, you know, channels. You know, the business segments are separate. You're separate by in country. And so you, you start having structural impediments to having an effective compliance program. And what you really should be doing as a compliance officer is not being totally responsible for the program at the end of the day and the rollout, but using the business leaders and those functions to be driving compliance so that you can help guide them. And so what I tell compliance officers all the time is, you know, work on, you know, breaking down those, those silos or working through those functions and get to the business leaders who are going to help you drive the messaging around compliance and the importance of um, having an effective compliance program and early reporting and being more proactive, because that's going to be the biggest line of defense for the business. You know, the other thing that I think compliance officers need to really focus on is, utilizing some of these functions you know whether it's accounting or internal controls or audit you know HR to really enhance and drive compliance program holistically through the business um, you know some compliance officers do it very well but a lot of times those organizations are not working together especially in sharing data and information and being ag- able to aggregate that information to see where there are problems or hot spots or issues in the company um, and and that's something that I think that is really important so you know look if you're working closely with internal audit you can you can work both on compliance Compliance audits or they're finding issues that are important. Procurement is seen where fraud issues or things that are inappropriate may be happening. Working with the internal controls team is going to be a very good thing in terms of understanding where weaknesses might be and how you can fix those from a compliance standpoint. So, you know, spending time breaking down those silos and using the, the whatever the functional structure is to enhance compliance rather than restrict it.
0: Steven, I think one area where compliance practitioners may not have really thought through the advantages or uses of information is around code, policies, and procedures, and really questions that come up around what are some of the basic backbones of a compliance program. How do you see uh, the compliance practitioner leveraging those types of questions into uh, continuous monitoring and then continuous improvements for an overall ERM? So,
1: you know, one of the things that we're working on uh, in conjunction with Conversant and Skillsoft, who are partners of ours, is really this interactive code of conduct and training where you can have a, you know, live code of conduct where we come in and assess your code, help you rewrite it and organize it so that you can transform it into something that's interactive that can be used on an ongoing basis. And then that links through to your policies. And so, you know, what it does is as a as opposed to being a PDF or a static code and a bunch of static policies that people aren't going to read, you know, they can click through immediately and have a policy question. They can reach out to the compliance officer in live, you know, time. You can have code topics that are going to change on an ongoing basis. You can emphasize new issues depending on what's coming up in the organization or if you're around the holidays, like on gifts and entertainment. And so all of a sudden you're able to really bring your bring your program to life and your policies by utilizing something that's much more interactive and in real time. And frankly, that's how the audience works these days, right? We're all on the internet. People are using YouTube or TikTok or other types of modes of, of uh, information. And it's so it's quick hitting and they want it instantaneously. Nobody's going to go read a 20-page anti-bribery and corruption policy, right? But they might click on the link that t- has you know 10 bullet points about it or who to ask a question or what are the key things that you need need to know when they can do it right on their screen in live time. And if they have additional questions, you know, reach out. And what that does is it helps give you then information and data about where people are clicking, what questions are they asking and what are they looking at so that you can continue to enhance then your your risk program. Um, and B, you know, what what I try to work with companies to do is move from reactive risk assessments or reactive investigations to proactive engagement with your company so that you can understand the risk profile in a better fashion and work to have communications, training, interactions, and culture that are around being more um, – proactive to where ultimately companies can move to be predictive in in using this information and data on things like this live code of conduct, interactive code, to be more predictive of what might come down the road so that they can handle those. And that's what, you know, you're going to see coming out and certainly would match what the expectations are in the 2020 guidance.
0: Stephen, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics you've touched upon in this uh, episode. Where could they go?
1: Uh, they can reach out to me at Stoneturn, um, you know, on the web, it's stoneturn.com. And if you want to send me an email, uh, feel free to do that. And it's smartin at stoneturn.com. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk to you about it.
0: Stephen, thanks again. I look forward to continuing the conversation.
1: Great, Tom. Uh, thanks, as always. Uh, always enjoy your podcast. Uh, can't wait for the next one.
0: This is Tom Fox again. If you'd like more information on Stoneturn, check out their website, www stoneturn.com. I've also linked to it in the show notes. I hope you will join us again for another episode in our five-part series on the six elements of an effective compliance program. I know you will find it useful. This special podcast series sponsored by Stone Turn is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.